Physics World. Hello, and welcome to this special Quantum Week edition of the Physics World Weekly Podcast. I'm Hamish Johnston. In this episode, we're going to explore quantum science and technology from a business perspective. But first, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Smaragd, the high-tech company with extensive experience in developing high-performance positioning and metrology solutions. Recently introduced positioning stages with unmatched closed-loop positioning performance for cryogenic applications such as quantum computing. For more information, please visit smaragd.com slash closed-loop-cryogenic-stages or contact the Smaragd team personally via email at info at The idea of a quantum computer has been around since at least the 1980s. But it wasn't until the mid-90s that work began to build quantum processors. Today, according to Wikipedia, that font of all knowledge, there are more than 70 companies worldwide involved in quantum computing. And to be honest, that number seems a bit low to me. Coming up, I'm going to be chatting with the CEO of Canada's D-Wave Systems, which was founded in 1999 and was one of the first companies to commercialize quantum technology. But first, Physics World's Margaret Harris is in conversation with an entrepreneurship and innovation expert and a physicist who makes semiconductor quantum devices. They chat about a new program that aims to accelerate startup companies that focus on quantum science and technology. I'm speaking with David Avshalom, a physicist and director of the Chicago Quantum Exchange, and Jay Schrankler, who heads up Chicago's Polsky Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. David and Jay are both involved in a new project called Duality, which builds itself as the first accelerator program in the U.S. exclusively dedicated to supporting quantum startups. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So let's start by sort of unpacking that statement about duality. I mean, a lot of listeners to the Physics World Weekly podcast will hear the word accelerator and think of particle physics. And that's not unreasonable. You know, the Chicago area is home to some great particle accelerators at Fermilab and at the Argonne National Laboratory. But that's not the type of accelerator we're talking about today. Um, Jay, do you want to tell us a little bit about the type of accelerator you are referring to? Sure. Well, I think in principle, they both uh, perform a similar function, and that's to accelerate the speed of, of something that's happening. So in the case of a startup accelerator, uh, the, the term is best thought of as that a company that's nascent uh, has an idea of a new innovation, um, but they're not quite sure how to most quickly get it to market. So what an accelerator does is provide an intensive a period of training, education, um, through the aspects of starting, creating a business, and then getting them ready to raise money. Uh, Typically, that's an eight to 12-week process. In our case, uh, for duality, it will be a 12-week process. After that's over, uh, companies then are generally poised um, in best position to raise money, um, get investors, and then move into an incubator where they can uh, further start growing the company. You know, obviously, as you say, it's a, a similar type of program, just uh, in an t- entirely different technology, I guess. 
Um, turning now to David, so you're a veteran of quantum science, and the past few years have seen a real explosion in the number of companies that are starting up in this field. You know, why is that? Why do you have applicants for, for, for a program like this? Well, that's a great question. And one of the things that's happened in the last 10 years, as you point out, is there's a rapid discovery rate, right? New phenomena being created and controlled and literally moving from science into engineering. And as that happens, many new ideas are developing. And how do we bring these discoveries from the lab to the marketplace, right? How will they foster new businesses? How can we create jobs? How can we improve aspects of the quality of life in general? And so one of the exciting aspects of duality is it helps a science and technology literate community move into the business world uh, and bring these discoveries rapidly to the general public. And what are some examples of the challenges these new companies are facing, new companies in, in quantum technologies? One of the challenges, at least in the United States, with companies is that traditional electronics companies uh, may or may not have a lot of expertise in quantum science and engineering in-house. So when we think about developments in nanoelectronics, there are experts in high-speed electronics, microwave engineering, nanotechnology. But in the quantum space, this is so new, and the discovery is happening so quickly, there is an impedance mismatch right between the two. And one of the things that Duality can do with the Chicago Quantum Exchange that you just mentioned is help merge that, get advice from mature industries to help younger industries, right? Identify opportunities, right? Once these discoveries become clear and work together to figure out ways to move this rapidly forward. But the challenge I think is that, um, you know, the discoveries and the applications are now coming hand in hand and how to marshal this and do this efficiently. I think, you know, you know especially when you look at a, an, accelerator, an accelerator like Duality, which is part of the Chicago Quantum Exchange, as, as David mentioned, there's really two tracks if you were to think about a business getting started in this arena or really in any deep technology arena. But this one in specific, you have a technology set of technology issues that you face. Um, one can be crossing something we historically refer to as the valley of death. So how do you get the technology to the point where it can be reproduced and used in a practical sense from its nascent stages? The other challenge you have is a business and market challenge. And that's, that's what these accelerators really help with. And the market, for example, as David's been referring to, we can, we can end up with some really terrific technology. But you want to make sure that you know how to either access a market or create a market uh, for that product or whatever it is you're doing when you're done with it. Yeah, and I think that uh, jives well with uh, another challenge that most companies, small and large, are facing right now is the workforce. Right? How will these companies find employees that are quantum literate, like right, quantum engineers, move this ahead, that also have the business savvy to identify and have moved these quickly? And I think duality will actually this gap right now. So you mentioned um, that, that you know, Duality is obviously focused on, um, on small companies, and you mentioned um, that one of the challenges is that, that some bigger companies, established companies, don't have the right expertise in, in, in quantum technologies. But actually, a lot of the early running, especially in quantum computing, has been done by you know, very big companies, Google, IBM, Honeywell, um, were the, the three that come immediately to mind. You know, what are some of the things that small companies can do that these, these giants, that is, as I've said, have made the early running can't? Well, the companies you mentioned right now have been focused largely on quantum computing, right? And companies like IBM and Google, uh, as examples, are vested in that world of computing. 
and understand the opportunity space and are focusing on that interest. But the fact is quantum information science is much broader than computing. It includes communication, sensing, algorithm applications. So to envelop all of these different interests, it's important to have a much broader set of companies than traditional. But you're right, they're setting a fantastic example of how they're literally accelerating discoveries and superconducting technologies, for example, to the marketplace. And so in terms of addressing the challenges you've laid out, you know, what are some of the specific types of support that an accelerator program like Duality can provide that maybe a traditional university setting can't or, uh, you know, an earlier stage incubator type program can't? Well, one thing that we know that that early stage businesses in deep technologies need, again, I want to refer to kind of the dual track piece of you're developing technology simultaneously, typically while you're developing the business. And so they need access to mentors. Um, I'll give you that as one example. So uh, what we know, um, and we're building this into duality, is a pool or a set of deep technical experts, which are, are paramount um, to assist these companies in any way they can to move their technology along. And as I said, cross that valley of death. At the same time, you need uh, business expertise um, and coaching. And let me give you one other specific example. We have a a relatively new role in this accelerator called a liaison, uh, business development liaison. And these are a set of people that can uh, bridge um, these small companies to the big companies, as you've referred. How can they develop relationships? Uh, in this ecosystem with the large and the small companies. So we feel that's also a really important part of, and a very distinctive part of what we're offering. And many of these companies also will need access to unusual tools to characterize their products and devices, as Jay pointed out. For example, let's say you're building a quantum sensor. Quantum sensors are often literally one atom in a matrix of material. How do you image and characterize it? You need special tools like synchrotrons. And because Argonne National Laboratory is a partner with Duality, along with University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and P33, a Chicago-based organization, startups will have opportunities to access these world-class facilities, literally billion-dollar tools to characterize your devices, make sure they are what they think they are, before taking them to the next stage. And, and let me just, if I would, on a second, um, and David's making just a terrific point here I, I further want to build upon. You know, when we think about innovation in the world, um, largely innovation, probably 99% of it today, uh, tends to be incremental in nature. And truly, quantum technology is disruptive. And like what David's talking about, it's almost an entirely new world of tools, equipment, um, how we think about computing, how we think about sensing, how we think about communications. It's, It's a leap. And it's a tremendous, uh, tremendous leap to do that. And so I think that's another reason something like this is so important, duality. And I think Jay makes a great point here, because when you think about this world, it's an ecosystem of technology. You know, it's computing and sensing and communication, but they're all going to be connected quantum mechanically. So, you know, when we think about today's technology, like the way you and I are speaking right now, right, there are lots of technological parts. Right? In the quantum world, this is an enormous challenge because they need to function quantum mechanically, coherently. And many of these bits and pieces have yet to be invented. So it's an incredibly opportune time to launch this endeavor 
and encourage people to start meeting some of these challenges. I understand the application deadline for Duality's first cohort was towards the end of May. Um, are you still evaluating the first group of applicants? Can you tell me anything about the process and how it went? Yes, we had uh, more than we expected, um, which is terrific for us. And we're, we're well over 50, 60 companies and counting as I looked last week at how many companies were requesting applications. And so we've had dozens and dozens of applications come in. And we're in, I, I will tell you this, that we do have some terrific, absolutely terrific applicants. And we're talking about world-class entities uh, potentially here. And so um, we're, uh, this month uh, of June, we're refining and selecting the final few that will go in uh, to duality starting in July. And I appreciate you probably can't speak to specifics, but what sort of things do you look for in application? You know, it's just a, it might, it might help the next cohort when you invite them to apply later in the year. Sure. And, and I do want David to, um, to opine on this as well. So uh, let me give the first, uh, first shot at this of the things we look for. And again, I, I still like to look at this through the lens of both technology and, and then separately business. So one of the things, whenever investors look at a company, they look at those two things. So we do the same thing. Same thing. We want to make sure that they have a good team, um, that the people involved are credible, that they have a track record. And then the second piece, do they have compelling technology that, that you know, our experts are, that are reviewing these believe will be useful in the world? And David, do you want to add on to that? I think one thing we can add to that is that, uh, as Jay pointed out, we have a group of judges that have technical expertise that also check the submissions to make sure they're physically sound, how they compare to state of the art, right? Is there a need or perceived need, right, to drive this forward? Um, and uh, also to maybe think about ways that these suggestions could be used that the uh, original group may or may not have thought of. So I think the nice combination of looking at the science and engineering end, as Jay said, with the business end and the market opportunities, you know, provide a nice set of filters to select these companies. And I should say that all of our uh, partners in Duality have judges, though neither Jay nor I judge these. On a sort of a final note, uh, one thing that struck me about Duality is that it's meant to be sort of part of a program of what's called inclusive innovation. So part of the accelerator's goal is to help expand economic opportunities and drive economic inclusion for residents of Chicago's South Side. Um, the South Side, if for those listeners who don't know Chicago, it's the part of the city where the University of Chicago has its campus, and it's also a fairly racially diverse area a lot more diverse, if to be blunt, than the field of quantum science or indeed physics as a whole. How is duality going to contribute to this in inclusive innovation and why is that so important? Well, this is an incredible opportunity for us, right? As Jay pointed out, this is a paradigm shift for a new technology. It also means we can change the model for workforce development and how people become engaged in companies, quantum education. And this doesn't happen very often. Right, and we have the benefit of being in an urban area, as you just mentioned, that's quite diverse. So we're trying to both encourage applications from broad sectors of Chicago and the state of Illinois, as well as develop educational programs to accelerate people's knowledge, right? From quantum certificate programs to get people quantum ready to work with these startups as an employee base, provide jobs for this area, right? And uh, you know, we've had fantastic partnerships with the city of Chicago, 
through the mayor's office, the governor of Illinois, who have been extremely supportive throughout this process. And we hope to work together with them to make a much more diverse, much more inclusive environment. And Jay, I know you want to add to this. Sure. And just to build on on what David's talking about, I'll take it even down a level locally. In the Polsky Center, of, of which we're partnering with the Chicago Quantum Exchange uh, to pull duality off, so to speak, we actually operate uh, a community-based incubator in uh, Hyde Park in Chicago, where we're located, and it's called the Polsky Exchange. So a good portion of that um, operation is geared towards developing entrepreneurs and workforce uh, from the south side of Chicago. And so one of our plans, um, both inside and outside of duality, but very much linked, uh, is to develop this workforce in the, south of, in the south side of Chicago. So building on what David said, even reaching into K through 12 and introducing quantum into the STEM programs. And then moving forward, as David said, certificate programs and building on top of that. We created Duality, um, again, together with the Chicago Quantum Exchange to make sure that this wasn't just about companies that were, were out of our own system or in the st- even in the state of Illinois. And one objective is to attract companies from all over, uh, inside the U.S., outside the U.S., with the aim of, of creating a real ecosystem here, as David said earlier, and hoping the, these companies um, see the value of being in Chicago, of the infrastructure that we have with the national labs, with the university, and they put down roots here and they grow here around us. And companies need a workforce and the incredible investments from the state, from the city, from the federal government in the Chicagoland area offers an opportunity to really create you know, and nourish a workforce that will attract more companies. Because at the end of the day, a company needs employees, right? and they need well-trained employees. And this is something we very much believe we can offer. David and Jay, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. That was Margaret Harris in conversation with Jay Schrankler and David Auschelam of the Duality Startup Accelerator. Back in 2012, I visited D-Wave Systems in Vancouver, Canada. At the time, its quantum processors contained hundreds of qubits. Fast forward to 2021, and the company's processors have more than 5,000 qubits. And I've just caught up with D-Wave's newish CEO to find out what the company is up to. Canada's D-Wave Systems was founded in 1999 making it a pioneer in commercializing quantum computing technology. In 2011, it sold its first commercial processor, which uses superconducting qubits. And as well as supplying its hardware to companies and research labs, the firm now offers quantum cloud computing. I'm joined down the line from the company's Bellevue, Washington office by Alan Barretts, who became the CEO of D-Wave in 2020. Hi, Alan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Hamish. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Alan, can you, can you give us an update as to where D-Wave is now in terms of the number of employees and locations worldwide? 
Sure. So D-Wave now has a little over 180 employees. Uh, we are headquartered and the majority of our folks are in um, Burnaby, British Columbia, just outside of Vancouver, Canada. Uh, however, we have offices in Bellevue, Washington and in Palo Alto, California. And, uh, you know, I'd also like to say that uh, we are um, really focused on bringing quantum computing to developers and to businesses as quickly as possible so that they and we can learn from the use of those systems. And we've made great progress uh, in making that happen. And Alan, D-Wave's hardware is designed to do quantum annealing calculations. C can you briefly explain how this is done and, and perhaps provide a few practical examples of how quantum annealing is being used to solve real-world problems? So first of all, uh, we selected quantum annealing because we did want to get systems, quantum computing systems, into the hands of developers and businesses as quickly as possible. And annealing is a simpler technology to develop. Uh, it scales much more easily, and it's far less sensitive to noise and errors. And that's paid off quite well for us as we're now on our fifth generation system with uh, over 250 early applications. Basically, the way annealing quantum computing works is that it uses quantum mechanical effects, things like superposition and entanglement and tunneling to very quickly find the lowest point in a landscape. Uh, now, many problems can be mapped into finding the lowest point in a landscape. In fact, um, most optimization problems, which are the sorts of things that businesses run on today, things like employee scheduling, or uh, logistics management, manufacturing optimization, um, even things like protein folding and protein packaging in the discovery of new drugs or threat detection, uh, portfolio optimization. All these different types of problems uh, are hard optimization problems and the sorts of things that the D-Wave annealing quantum computer uh, is very good at solving. And, and what's the current state of the art for D-Wave hardware? How, how many qubits uh, can you put on a, on a processor chip at the moment? So we, we've actually been doubling qubits every couple of years for the last 10 years. Uh, at the end of September, we launched our fifth generation system, which has over 5,000 qubits. Uh, our previous generation system had about 2,000 qubits. So the new system over doubles the number of qubits. It also over doubles the connectivity. Uh, our last system had each qubit connected to six others. Our new system has each qubit connected to 15 others. So over 5,000 qubits, each qubit connected to 15 others, and a continued focus on uh, reducing noise and error rates. However, when we launched our 5,000 qubit quantum computer, we call it the Advantage, quantum computer, we also upgraded our quantum cloud service to be able to uh, allow users to combine classical resources, CPUs and GPUs together with the quantum computer to be able to solve problems even larger than can be solved natively on the quantum computer. So for example, 
Uh, natively on our 2000 qubit processor, we could solve problems with maybe 200 variables. With our new Advantage system, we can solve problems with seven to 800 variables. But if you use our hybrid solvers, the classical resources working together with the quantum computer, we can now solve problems with up to 1 million variables. And this is what's now allowing us to solve real business problems at commercial scale and deliver a positive ROI to our customers. And, and you mentioned that, that you offer a, a quantum cloud service. It's called Leap um, to your customers. Can, can you explain how this works? What, what, what does a customer get um, when they subscribe to this service? Our Leap quantum cloud service is a very comprehensive uh, cloud service offering. Uh, it gives you real-time access to the Advantage quantum computer. And, and, and in fact, the Advantage system is the only quantum computer out there that supports real-time access. By that, I mean you submit a job, it's queued, it's run on the quantum computer, your results are sent back to you. It looks like seconds to get an answer back. So you get real-time access to the Advantage quantum computer. You get demos, you get application templates with live code for a broad array of different types of applications. So you get a quick start on building your applications. We have a fully integrated developer environment, Python-based, inside of the Leap Cloud Service so that you could actually build your applications right there inside Leap. We have a broad array of training materials with videos and, uh, and documentation. Uh, and we have a community support capability where developers can meet one another, they can ask questions, and they can get help in solving problems. Um, and most importantly, within Leap, you get access to the hybrid solver service, the service that combines those classical resources, CPUs and GPUs, together with the quantum computer to be able to solve real commercial scale problems. And, and who are your customers? Are, are, are we talking about um, companies, um, you know, sort of large corporations or re research labs, national labs? Are they, uh, are they customers or, or, or even academics? Who's, who's buying your services at the moment? Early on, it really was primarily the research labs. Um, however, more recently, it's been evolving to commercial businesses. You know, it's interesting. Typically, when I go out and give a presentation or participate in a panel discussion, one of the questions I'm asked is, when do I think that quantum computers will actually be able to deliver real business value? Now, most people in the quantum industry, whether academics or commercial, will say five to 10 years. However, I'm in a unique position. I get to say today because D-Wave is the only company that has a quantum computer that actually is delivering real business value today. So, you know, examples of our commercial customers are companies like Volkswagen. Uh, Volkswagen has used our system to optimize a portion of their manufacturing process. It's at the tail end of the manufacturing process when they paint the vehicles. Uh, and then, and they've been able to show that uh, scheduling the painting of the vehicles using our system rather than the classical approaches they were using gives them far fewer paint switches and as a result, uh, significant improvement in waste reduction. Uh, another example is a grocery chain actually in Canada, Save On Foods. Uh, Save On Foods is using our system 
to optimize a portion of their operations. Uh, and basically the problem that they are solving to optimize this portion of their op operations used to take them on the order of 25 hours per location per week. They're now solving it in two minutes per location per week. Uh, another example is um, Menton. Uh, Menton uh, is a company that's focused on uh, drug discovery through development of new proteins. Uh, and uh, they've used our system to create a set of new proteins that are currently being use, uh, used in animal trials for COVID therapeutics. So, you know, a broad array of customers from midsize up to uh, large enterprise customers doing a, a variety of interesting and important work. So, so now that Leap and, and other cloud services are available, um, wh why would a customer uh, want to buy their own D-Wave quantum computer? I, I assume you're, you're still selling processors to, to, to people. Wh wh why, why do they want their own device rather than relying on a, on a cloud service? So, so that's an excellent question. And in fact, we are not selling boxes any longer, except in special cases, which I'll talk about in a minute. But we, we, our lead uh, quantum cloud service is now available in almost 40 countries around the world. And we continue to add uh, more countries with each day, week, and month uh, that goes on. And so the lead cloud service is now very broadly available. And in fact, you know, it's far more efficient for our customers to use the quantum cloud service through Leap than it is to go out and spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars buying their own quantum computer. This way, they're able to get started with quantum without needing to justify a massive expense and then able to continue growing as their needs and our capabilities grow. And that's worked out extremely well. Now, the only case in which we will entertain selling a system is if a customer has a unique reason. So for example, a government agency that wants to run classified problems on the system and as a result needs the system in one of their uh, secure facilities, in that case, we would entertain selling a quantum computer. But otherwise, for commercial use, we are focused exclusively on uh, access to our systems through our Leap Quantum Cloud service. And so, Alan, what's next for D-Wave? What, what can we expect uh, in the next uh, five years or 10 years from the company? So we continue to enhance and improve our quantum computers. Um, as I said, we've uh, pretty much doubled the number of qubits every couple of years, and we are going to continue on that path. So we're already working on our next generation system. So more qubits, more connectivity, less noise, lower error rates allows us to continue solving larger and larger and more and more complex problems. In addition to that, we are now focused on continuing to enhance our hybrid solver service. So, you know, the service that brings classical resources together with the quantum computer, we're using that to try to raise the level of abstraction that our customers can use to program the quantum computer. Um, today, 
It's all about figuring out how to map their problem into that low uh, point in the landscape problem. But, you know, a lot of times our customers are thinking about their problems in terms of uh, things like graph problems or, uh, you know, linear programming problems or integer programming problems. And so we're going to be bringing new solvers to market through our Leap Cloud service that allow them to submit their jobs formulated in the way that uh, they're more accustomed to formulating. Well, that's great, Alan. Thanks. Thanks so much for being on the Physics World Weekly Podcast. Hamish, it was my pleasure, and uh, I'll look forward to the next time. I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this week's podcast. Thanks to Alan Barretts, Jay Schrankler, David Auschelam, and Margaret Harris for joining me today. And as always, a special thanks to our producer, Callum Jelf. We'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, do check out the latest Physics World Stories podcast, which features an interview with the physicist and science writer, Carlo Rivelli. He talks about his latest book, Helgoland, which charts the origins of quantum physics. A very special thank you to Smaragd for their generous support of this podcast. To find out more about their unsurpassed closed-loop positioning solutions for quantum technologies, visit smaragd.com slash closed-loop-cryogenic-stages or contact the Smaragd team personally by email at info at smaragd.com. Physics World